you are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. I've learned not to ask what are any bags that I bring up because you, you never know what kind of answer you're going to get. But uh, how many people like presents? Yes, I, I love presents, birthday presents, um, and particularly Christmas presents. My most memorable Christmas was when I was 12 years old. I, um, my mom and dad, who were uh, in the ministry, and there were four of us kids, and we were growing and had big appetites, and there, there, were, there was not a lot of money. And, uh, but we really weren't aware of it. We always had plenty to eat, and um, we... I remember I wanted to join the Boy Scouts so badly, but the uniform and... The fee, the dues were $12, and they didn't have $12, and it, it wasn't there. And uh, while we were in the state of Maine, um, my dad worked, uh, he pastored, um, and uh, he worked in the, in the forest, timbering, cutting pulp woods. He and my mom labored and worked in the potato fields of Maine. My dad also worked as a, as a carpenter. Um, and, um, but during that time was an extremely fruitful time of ministry. You see, ministry does, does not depend upon the resources. It depends upon the God of resources. How many you know that? You understand that. And during that time in the state of Maine, when all he got was the morning offering of maybe 50 people, um, and when there was a blizzard, they still had church. And I remember mom and dad talking and saying the Sunday morning offering was $4. What can we do with that? But they're great people of faith, great people of prayer. They reminded me of the phrase in the book of Acts that talked about the early church believers, and this phrase was, they kept on going. As a result of that, that the Lord grew the church, and they planted four churches in addition to what they were doing. And my mom had an accordion, and they would load us up in, in the car, and we'd go off to some town in the state of Maine on Sunday afternoons, and he would conduct gospel meetings, and then we'd come back for church that night. In those four years, he planted four churches that still remain to the glory of God. And one of the churches is larger than Grace Assembly of God. Can someone say, amen? But there wasn't a lot of money. We moved to Boyertown, Pennsylvania, and there still wasn't a lot of money. And by this time now, I was 12 years old. I was in seventh grade. 
and I wanted a bike for Christmas, and, and we, we just, we could ask, but you never knew what you're going to get. How many of you have experienced that? You know what I'm talking about. And we never really felt that bad about it. Later on, uh, I was 13, I had my first paper route, so I would ask, and whatever they didn't get, I'd buy for myself. How's that? Yeah, you know, you learn to be self-reliant. So I wanted a bicycle because the one that my Aunt Jeanette had bought for me when I was about nine years old, I had worn that thing out. It was a bike I believe she bought at Western Auto. Anyone ever heard of Western Auto? And those bikes back then, in 1961, uh, when I was nine years old, were probably about a $10 bike. And they, they, they weren't a great bike, but I, I, wore that, I wore that puppy out. I mean, the fenders were missing, the chain was rusty. It didn't help that I didn't take it inside either. So I was just a kid. So 12 years old, and I asked for a new bike. And what I really wanted, the creme de la creme, was a Schwinn bike. That was, that was, that was it right then. A 28-inch Schwinn bike. And so I... I got up early on Christmas morning, and I really didn't have high expectations other than there was always some big gift that they didn't wrap, and they had no one's name on it, but I'd like to sneak out there in the morning. Anyone, know, anyone do something similar to that? And I'll never forget, we, I snuck out there, or I sneaked out. Um, I, anyway, I went out early before anyone was out there, and lo and behold... I looked, and next to that Christmas tree, there was a, a 28-inch Schwinn bicycle, a black frame with stripes on it, chrome fenders, white handlebar grips. It had the plastic, whatever they call it, and a red and white seat that said Schwinn on it. My, it was the most memorable Christmas that I could ever, ever imagine and I rode that thing like a boss for the next several years till I, I, bought, my, I bought my own car at age 16, and um, it, it served me well. It was a gift. It's a gift. I want to talk with you today about three gifts that God gives when we step out in faith and obedience. It's the gift of the gospel. It's the gift of the Spirit, and it's the gift of people of peace. So Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, we're going to read there. And in chapter 14, the gospel had begun to spread. And it <clears throat> details what was going on. And so in uh, Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, by then uh, the church of Jerusalem had heard about it. And so this is what we read. Some men came down from Judea, and they began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, how many know that's not seeker-friendly? How many know that? All right. All the guys, should, I thought, would say amen. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul... And Bar Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. 
Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, these guys are like mosquitoes at a campfire. They don't go away. Some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed, they stood up. And in the scriptures, when you see that word, and particularly the New Testament, they stood up, that means they've got something to say. They stood up saying it is necessary to circumcise these Gentiles and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. What was at stake was... Christianity itself and the future of Christianity to fulfill the Great Commission in all the world. The Pharisees, and it wasn't all the Pharisees, but there were some who said, we, we have to teach, and they began teaching the new converts that they needed to add something to the gospel in order to be saved. Paul and Barnabas stood up to them, stood up to them. And because of that, what came about at the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15 forever turned the tide of Christianity in all the world. We're going to look at that this morning. So the first thing, the first gift that God gives to us when he calls us is G for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you say gospel with me? Yes, if you're online, just put the gift of the gospel. This is God's greatest gift. So we read in verses 6 through 11. It's God's greatest gift. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Contend, church, for the gospel for all humanity. And so, verse 6, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. This is the ones at Jerusalem. And there had been much debate. After there was much debate, Peter stood up. Notice those words, Peter stood up. And said to them, brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did also to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore... Why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? 
But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Would you say praise the Lord? We are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Praise his name. The gospel for all humanity. Paul the apostle and the early church contended for the faith so that the entire world, known world at the time, would hear the gospel. In fact, because it's God's greatest gift, the people that are transformed by the gospel, it brings people into God's kingdom. And because of that, Paul the Apostle would take the gospel. He had three missionary journeys, four missionary journeys, actually, if you count Rome, because even as an old man, the last thing he did before, before he went to Rome, he wrote to the Roman church, and he said this, and on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop in and see you. He wasn't planning on being in prison for the faith. He had his heart set on Spain, Europe, the far western, far-flung regions of the known world at that time. He said, Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone that believes. Would you say with me, for everyone that believes. Everyone that believes. Everyone that believes. Art and Billy Tracer are dear friends of ours. Art, he was a coal miner, sharp guy. He, he drove the biggest bulldozer that was available. Rough guy. And his wife, Billy, she served the Lord, and Art really didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, she came to church with her two daughters, and he didn't come to church. And um, every night after working in the mines, the strip mines, he would stop in the bar. And there were nights when Billy had enough, she stood up, and she would go in the bar, and she would drag him home. How many know that, that takes something right there? So I'll never forget, uh, I, I liked art, but we seemed to get along, and I invited him to go hunting with me, and it was one of the quietest days I've ever spent with a man in my life. I was in his pickup truck. When I get in, I noticed there was beer cans underneath the seat that was there, and, and he noticed they were there too, and that, I mean... We talked real small talk. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're on that mountainside in the snow-covered uh, hills of Pennsylvania, and we just talked back and forth, but there wasn't a whole lot that was said. This went on for some time. But one day, one day, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the gospel, got a hold of Art Traster. And I want to tell you, he got a hold of this bright young man who worked in the mines, but also was a businessman. And God instantly changed him and turned him around. Can someone say, praise God? He became the youth director, the youth leader in the church that we 
that we were part of, and later the Lord called him to the ministry, praise God, faithfully serving the Lord. It's the power of the gospel and the good news today. Everyone that hears my voice, it's not just for everyone else, but it's for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Can someone say amen? We'll be saved, praise God. There are no exceptions to it. It's the power of God for salvation. The gospel is worth contending for. The Jerusalem Council, as I mentioned, what was at stake was the very future of Christianity. It was those that said, you have to add something to the gospel in order to be saved. They couldn't imagine people coming to faith in the Lord unless they adopted some of the Jewish ways and the Jewish culture. That's what it boiled down to. But the Bible says, Peter stood up. And someone say, praise God for the Peters among us. He stood up and he said, the Lord witnessed and the, one, the Lord that saved us from Judaism also saved them. Do you remember in the early days? And he gave this gift of the Spirit to them. And when Peter was done, they, we had the one-two punch. James stood up. And how many know these are heavyweight guys? These are big dogs that came to the match that day. And James stood up and this is what he said. The reason that we contend for the faith, the reason that we do this because the prophet said in the Old Testament, in the last days, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. You say, Pastor Paul, what, that, what does that mean? What James was saying is this, the tabernacle of David. Remember David, the lion of Judah. Out, out of that tribe, Jesus Christ came. He's called the lion of Judah. The tabernacle of David is that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. How many have heard that? God's heart is for every nation. And through the prophet, he prophesied in the Old Testament, in the last days, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David so everyone can come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, uh, Peter stood up, James stood up, and they just laid it down in front of them. When we contend for the faith, there's great wisdom that comes. And out of this came a resolution and they wrote a letter to the Gentiles, and this is what they said. The Bible records that it's, they said it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. The gospel is contextualized. Good to us and to the Holy Spirit. When we contend for the faith, friends, we can look to the Lord for wisdom and resolutions in the church. And what they said, they, they decided to omit circumcision. Now, how many know that took the wind out of the Pharisees' sails? But they said, what we do ask that you abstain from things that are strangled and from meat that is offered to idols. Now, and the Gentiles received it with joy because they were willing, they were willing to submit to something, to give something up so they could be part of something. It also, when we contend for the faith, it even, in the middle of sharp disagreements, the Lord will receive the glory. I cannot tell you, and you've noticed, the number of people 
at, at grace, and it's not just grace that have washed out as a result of COVID. They got out of the habit of meeting together, where the scripture says, in the last days particularly, don't get out of the habit of assembling yourselves together. They get out of the habit of that. Some have left the church. They're leaving every church. What I'm hearing from pastors across our fellowship is, this is a year of great offense. People are offended at the drop of a hat. But what I want to say, if you read this wonderful story in chapter number 15, and you, but you read to the end of it in 40 and 41, Paul and Barnabas, who were fast friends and partners in the gospel, they had a sharp disagreement. And how many know, you know, every once in a while there's a disagreement in church? Any, anyone? Anyone? There's a sharp disagreement. How, how many know that every once in a while in marriage you can have a sharp disagreement? That happened to anybody? Not me. Don't laugh. <laughs> it's human nature. We can have sharp disagreements in the church because we're people. But I want, us, I want us to know something from the Word of God this morning, friends, that if our heart is to contend for the gospel, even sharp disagreements will result in the Lord receiving the glory. Can you say amen? And this is what happened. Barnabas, who was son of encouragement, and Paul, and they were going to take the gospel to the known world, and they're getting, they're getting ready, ready to go. What They were going to go uh, to Asia Minor. They were going to go to Europe. They were going to go, Paul was going to go to Spain. They actually even went up into territory that the Gauls, that rough, barbaric tribe of people had, had taken and established. The gospel was going to go up to them. And Paul knew what was ahead of them. And they had this wimpy guy named John Mark. Paul called him out, and Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul says, I'm not taking him. He's a, he's a, he's a kid. He's a kid. He's quit us already once in the gospel. And you know where we're going? We're going up through the Dardanelles. We're crossing treacherous rivers. We're crossing mountains. We'll be, we might be shipwrecked. We might be left for dead. We might be stoned again. We might be drugged out of the city. And I'm not having any part of it. I want Silas. He's a grizzled veteran. I want him by my side. John Marcus and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, man, he said, no way. Uh, I'm not doing that. I'm going to take John Mark and I'm going on my way. But friends, this is where they went. Barnabas went to Cyprus, but he contended for the gospel in Cyprus, and Paul and Silas went their way, and they contended for the gospel. Listen, as a pastor, I want you to know every person who leaves the church, it's, it's a burden to my heart. I have spent sleepless nights, countless sleepless nights, praying, oh God, what, what, have, 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 what, what, what could we do differently? I want you to know there are times that people have sharp disagreements and they go, but as long as, listen, as long as we go and we go to contend for the gospel with everything within us at another place, God will receive the glory. How many hear what I'm saying? But when we let petty things derail us, 
when it's not the gospel, but it's some other agenda other than the agenda of Jesus Christ? Is he not worthy of our best? I ask you this morning, the one who gave it all for us, is he not worthy for us to submit our will to him, to the church? Is he not worthy? If we must go, we must go. But when you go, make sure that you get in another Bible-believing church. Is there an amen in the, in the crowd? Take your money, take your gifts, take your service, take your whisper, your, your witness, but, but contend for the gospel. Now, does that step on some people's toes? I can't help it. Some people get upset and they're going to talk about me. But they already have talked about me. That's not my role. I don't stop preaching because people talk about me. How many understand that? The gospel would never have advanced if Peter had not stood up. Paul and Barnabas had not stood up. If James had not stood up. I want to stand up for the gospel. How about you? When the Reformation was started, Martin Luther said, here I stand. Here I stand. And when we do that, God's word says that the churches are strengthened and they're growing mighty in the faith. Now, I do want to ask a question. What do you stand for? What agenda are you contending for? Can God bless it truthfully? Does it spiritually strengthen you and others or merely strengthen your ambitions or your offenses? We all get offended. How many get offended? Just a couple of us? We do. But the Lord, we take that to the Lord, friends. Let the Lord do His work in our life and in our heart. But it was all in for the gospel statesmen like Paul and Barnabas, Peter and James who contended for the greatest gift of all. It pleased the heart of God and many people came to salvation and Jesus Christ was lifted up, praise his name. The second gift is this, expect the work of the Holy Spirit. This is S for the Spirit of God. Would you say the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. Online, would you please put in the comments, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God in action. It's God manifested in his presence. Acts 15, 12, all the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Romans 15, 18 and 19. For I will not presume... Paul said, to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by the word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fullness of, the, of preaching the gospel and obedience to the Lord with faith results in the Spirit of God attending our way. His work requires His empowerment. 
it's wonderful to have friends in church, and um, um, and and I enjoy a good time. Um, I do. But how many know that the church was never meant to be a cruise ship? How many know that? Serve me, serve me, serve me. My wife and I have scheduled a cruise, our first ever. We'll see. I hear the food's great. I don't know. Eight days, eight nights, out in the middle of the ocean. We got a balcony room so I could watch the ocean waves. I can watch that from the beach. But anyway, we're going. It might be our last. It might be our last. But friends, God has not called us to be a cruise ship. He's called us to be a life-saving ship. He's not called us to stay safe in the harbor or just to go to Bermuda and the Bahamas and the Caribbean and Mexico, then turn on around and come back to Florida. We better come back is all I can say. <laughs> we need then and we need now in this day signs and wonders the healing power of God to be manifest in our presence. Can someone say amen? To expect it, to want to be filled with the Spirit. When our desire is to be filled with the Spirit, what it does, whatever we allow the Lord, what area of our life we allow the Lord to fill with His Spirit, nothing else can get in there and control us. That's why Paul said, he said, speaking to one another, psalms and hymns. But he said, don't be drunk <clears throat> with wine. That's the spirit of this age. But be ye filled with the Spirit and keep on being filled. There's nothing more precious than being filled with the Spirit. You see, being filled with the Spirit is not a box we check off and say, I'm in the club. It's, a, it's something that we contend for. We love the Lord and we love Jesus. We tell the Lord, our lives are yours. Lord, I've surrendered to you. Just fill me over and over and over and over again. Use me, Lord. His work requires his empowerment. He is a healing God. Can someone say amen? But when we met in the high school, we've had several instances of healing, several instances of grace here in the high school. There was an unusual move of God's spirit, a sovereign move of God's spirit. And one morning, a, a woman came up, and she was prayed for. She had really a, a heavy prescription. And uh, we prayed for her, and, and um, she, actually, she worked in the Pentagon. She was very high-placed uh, in administration. She was a general that she worked for, and, and uh, so we prayed for her. People were being healed. It was a wonderful time. And afterwards, I, I went over to the gas station. I was filling my my vehicle up, and I looked on the other side of the pump. 
you know how that is when there's someone on the other side of the pump, you're like you want to see who it is without, you know, letting them catch you looking at them, you know. And it's this lady, and it was her. And I said, how are you doing? I said, well, where's your glasses? She said, the Lord healed me 100% just an hour ago in the service. Can someone say praise the Lord? Yes. Yes. The work of the Lord requires His empowerment. The Spirit got an action in, in, uh, uh, in chapter 16, verse 7. Paul was forbidden by the Spirit. He made his plans. He wanted to go somewhere. But the Lord said, don't do that. But yet, a few verses later, Paul said, I had a vision at night and there was a Macedonian man saying, come on over. This is the Lord. The Spirit came. And they went to Macedonia. And because they followed the, the Spirit of the Lord, the gospel came to Europe for the first time. Can someone say amen? Yes. The gospel came. He gives direction. He gives wisdom and peace. He brings great joy. And today the Holy Spirit is here because Jesus is here. And He exists to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and to bring the manifest presence of God in our lives. Reach out by faith and see God in action. Praise God. Praise His name. The third thing I want to share for you with you is P. The gift of people of peace. Would you say with me, people of peace? People of peace. Please put that in the comments. People of peace. Josh, God's given you the gospel. Grace, he's given us the gospel. He's given us the spirit. Desire that. The third thing is Pray for people of peace. Acts chapter 16, 12 through 15. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. And the, re the reason that it, that's, that's important, if you look in the scriptures, what the Jewish people would do when they had been displaced and there's no synagogue, they, would, they looked for a place to worship God by the water. That's why I know there's going to be beach houses in heaven. Psalm 137, read it. How could we sing the praises of the Lord? We sat down on the banks of the river. We hung our... our our harps and the willow trees, but that was what they did. And so Paul knew there'd be someone that was there. And so they went there, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. Uh, Joe, would you bring the worship team up now, if you would, please. Pray for people of peace. In the New Testament, people of peace. 
A person of peace is the person who opens the way for the gospel to enter one social group or even their village. They open doors. They're people of influence. They're wise. They're a worshiper of God, even if they don't know the way fully. The book of Acts is filled with it. Cornelius, remember in Acts chapter 10, Jason, Crispus was a ruler of the synagogue. They all came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lydia came. Uh, God's word says that there were people in every city that they went that were readers of Moses whose heart they were anxious for the Lord to come. And so um, God has that for us. I want us to believe, folks, and pray for people of peace, for grace, but also what God's called you to, your business or where you work, grace in Espanol. You never know who's going to walk through that door. Let me, um, let me share with you something's amusing. I called Bruce Jacobs last night, and Bruce and Nancy were founders uh, they came before we ever had a first service. And so I said, Bruce, I'd like to share with, the, with, the, with Grace. He said, yeah, go ahead. And uh, so we had uh, gathered 15 or 20 people, and we were in a house. It was a brand-new house. had white carpet, had a um, vaulted ceiling and a, a step-down living room. And, and so we were meeting there before we ever went public. And we'd worship, and we'd pray, and we'd do training about what we needed to do when we opened up. And, and one night, uh, there came a knock on the door. And we're, we always ate cake and had coffee, because Christians have to do that. When they, um, wherever two or three Christians together, together, there the cake is, all right? So anyway... So there, everyone was out in the kitchen, and we're eating cake, drinking coffee, and this handsome couple came in, tall, blonde, and Bruce is very handsome. Nancy was tall, blonde, and, and listen, a church planter, Josh, I know what you're going through. A church planter, if someone is ambulatory, do you know what that means? And they can fog a mirror, why, come right in. We, want, we just want everybody, and oh my goodness. And so I said, come on in, just take your shoes off. It was the winter time, and his brand new white car carpet. And I said, "Come on out, have coffee and cake. I'll introduce you." And it's so glad, to, good to have you. I went out in the kitchen, and after ten or fifteen minutes, we went back into the living room. We we're going to worship the Lord together, and this couple was not there. My heart sank. I mean, I thought, I I thought, oh my goodness, what happened? Did I don't know what happened. So we, we went on with our thing, and maybe a half hour later, there was a, and we sent someone out, and here it was Bruce and Nancy Jacobs. They came back. They took their shoes off. They came in and sat down. Well, they became people of peace. They knew a lot of people. She was the president of Concerned Women of America. She would later go on to be a Maryland state representative, then the Maryland state senator, Wonderful people, and they they uh, just generous people that grace. Part of the DNA of grace is, is, is from them. It wasn't until years later we were out to dinner with them, and Nancy told us, Bruce wouldn't tell us, but how it all came down. She says, remember that night we came, the first night, and then we left and come back? I said, yeah. She said, you know what that was about? I said, I have no idea. 
She said, Bruce had a hole in his sock. He said, I'm not going in there with that hole in the bottom of my feet because people are sitting on the floor. You, you remember the, some of those days, you know, they're sitting on, he said, I'm not doing that. And he said, I'm not going in. They went out to the car and said, listen, Bruce, we're going, she named the place, and we're going to buy a pair of socks for you. And they did, and the rest is history. And Bruce and Nancy, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you for what you've meant to grace. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So I want to say this. Pray for people of peace. You never know who's going to walk through that door. You never know who's going to walk through that door. People come, they go. It, it's hard when they go. But instead of lamenting that, God has people of peace for the church. Praise His name. He's going to meet every need. That's the Jesus that we serve. Can you say praise God? Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you right now, and I'm going to ask you to, to stand if you would, please. I want to pray. <clears throat> yes. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. If you're here today and you want the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to change your life, to cleanse your heart, give you a living hope, to be born again to a living hope and come into the family of God. Would you raise your hand wherever you are? Just raise it up quickly. Say, that, that, that is I, that's me. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many today, you, you have a real need in your life and you need the Spirit of the Lord in your life, and but you want most of all to be filled with the Spirit of God. Would you raise your hand along with mine this morning? Yes. To contend for the gospel. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. I pray for each one that's here. Lord, I pray for grace in Espanol as we, as we commission them, as we send them out, as we receive an offering in just a few moments for them. Lord, we look to you. You are the God of miracles. You are the faithful provider, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Jesus, you're the baptizer. You're the savior. Lord, you're our King of kings and Lord of lords. We bless your name today. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of contending for the gospel for all humanity. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We give ourselves to that. We thank you, Lord, that the Spirit of God brings life to us. Lord, that you fill us. Lord, and everywhere that you fill, you displace doubts and fears. And Lord, those nagging things that we can't get away from by ourselves. Lord, come fill us again today. Lord, we pray for people of peace in our neighborhoods, Lord, that we would be that person of peace. I pray for in the workplace, Lord, that we would empower us to be the person of peace. But Lord, in your church and in our businesses, there would, you would provide people of peace that can open doors for the gospel. Influence in Jesus' strong name. We receive these gifts 
from you today in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord.